My name is Baba Loramba. I'm a Sangoma, a psychic, a medium, a published author, a creativity coach, and a content marketer. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, which is called I'm Clapping for You, and it's all about celebrating Africans who are doing amazing things. I created this podcast because I didn't hear many positive stories about Africa and her children. I know very well that those positive stories exist, so I'll be using this podcast to find them and share them with you. Today, I have an incredible guest on my podcast. Um, her name is Neo, and she's one of my good friends. So let me tell you a bit about her. Neo Nare is a mompreneur with two little girls. She runs an impressive junior coaching business, which she'll tell you more about later. She's also a nurse with two master's degrees, one in research and the other one is in mental health. She's a lecturer and in her own words, she's a very proud PhD dropout. <laughs> Friend, thank you thank you for making time to talk to me and welcome again thank you so much probably yeah yeah after the mercury retrograde um thing is i feel like this this is an honor to finally be here thank you for inviting me it's my absolute pleasure so you've done so much in your life especially in your career and i'm so impressed so i just want us to start at the beginning so mm-hmm. What actually made you decide to study to be a nurse? Uh, okay. Um, the true story is nursing chose me. Um, I was actually very mad when um, I got rejected from medicine. I wanted to be a gynecologist. Oh, wow. Um, yes. Um, and it has been a dream since I was in primary school. But I, I realized later that the reason why I wanted to be a gynecologist was because I had endometri- endometriosis. Mm. So obviously, and, and as a kid, you would want to solve issues that you currently have, you know. Yeah. So I felt like because I'm having this womb issue, um, the only way for me is to be a gynecologist so that I help other girls not to go through what I went through. Like, it was bad. I had to, every time on my period, three days, I would be off wow. Koskolong or... If I'm forced to go to school, I'll have to kill on the on the cold cement so just so that the pain could go away. I remember in high school, um, I was rushed to the clinic because it got worse. I was even vomiting. And then the nurses couldn't believe me. They suspected pregnancy, like they poked all needles on me because they felt like no, the only way for somebody to have those severe symptoms is if they are pregnant. I'm just using pregnancy. Actually, some even said I'm I'm, miscarry- I'm miscarrying because there was there was blood, you know. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, nursing chose me because I applied um, for what did I apply for in Northwest University? I can't even remember. Yeah. But then um, my my meds was bad um towards the end of um the metric exam so then they said to me i can't qualify for that specific program because of my meds um the same rejection was because i was conditionally approved for medusa for Mm. medicine but then when with my grade 11 results but when my grade 12 results came um my meds wasn't that good i think i got a a or something for higher grade um yeah so it wasn't good enough at the time so the only program that i could fit into was social work or nursing so i thought you know what um if i do nursing i could do my four years 
And then afterwards, I could go to vets and do the three-year program because somebody told me that there was that program where nurses yeah. tend to bridge from being nurses into a doctor because I knew two doctors who actually were nurses before. Oh, so wow. that was the whole plan to start with. Yes, until second year when um, things started changing, I realized that actually I don't want to be a doctor. And actually, even as a nurse, I don't want to yeah. be a bedside nurse. I want, you know, I, I had this image of me as a nurse in suits and stilettos and sharp oh, nose wow. and having my laptop bag with wheels. You know, I always dreamed of an office with a view. Um, it always had mountains and water, funny enough. <laughs> yeah, so um, somehow the the choice of nursing i got into it i ended up enjoying it mm -hmm. but i knew from as early as second year that i'm not going to be a bedside nurse and um, i think that's why i was able to retire at age 34 because my career exploded so fast you know by yeah. the time i was 28 i was already at provincial office an assistant director at the provincial office and like that's when I realized actually the letter doesn't ex the letter doesn't ex exist, you uh -huh. know, because they'll be saying you are climbing the the corporate ladder. But I was there, and it felt like, is this it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. That, yeah. That is so impressive. <laughs> so, you know, I have like a, a lot of different ways to describe you. I mean, you're a great friend. You're also an overachiever. You're a mom. You are an entrepreneur. You're a nurse. You are like one of the most compassionate oh, people that I know, but I just want to find out from you. I mean, how would, how would mm -hmm. you describe yourself? Um, I think I'm a go-getter, like you've said. Oh, definitely. Um, yes, I, I, I used to think that was an issue uh because it felt like i i get over things very quickly you mm. know um like i said i went through my career very quickly and at some stage i was even being nine months in a place and then left because my time was like you done here you need to yeah. move and wow. i never understood that voice mm. and a lot of i remember two of my friends saying to me i'm gonna end up being and they use the word but something like i i, I won't be uh, um, people won't be able to hire me. I don't know what the unword is, but I would be un unhireable or something like that. Unemployable or something. Hobby. I don't know. Sorry. Unemployable. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but for me, it was the thing of knowing when I had done enough and to move on because I've also been reflecting the very same nine months that I was in that's where I made the most impact. And that's even wow. now people are still saying, are you willing to come back? You know, cause I made sure that I made my mark and I moved. Um, yeah. Even like my latest job before I retired, I was there only for six months, but a lot of people are actually still saying, there's a lot that happened in that six months that you shifted and you left, oh, you know? Wow. So I would describe myself as somebody who is more of a starter, mm. but then I get bored. So I want to start something and then give it to people to, to um, take it further, you know? So yeah. I start things. And I, I, I remember listening to one of the human design podcasts that you and I share, and they, yeah. actually, they explained it like that for me to say, you're very good at starting, but don't expect you, uh, yourself to stay long because once something gains its momentum, then it's better that you give other people 
the platform so that they carry it forward and you start something else. So I think in short, I'm a go-getter and I'm a starter. You know, I start things. And maybe that's why I'm even working with genies four years and 10 years. Because then when they are teens, I feel like they now need a different type of responsibility and other approaches. But at least the foundation would have been done at that, you know, um, that age. So, yeah, I think... Jeez, that is so that is so amazing. I think it's very admirable that you know you know when exactly to end. Like your ability to just move on, you are generally at peace. There isn't like a oh my gosh, still looking over my shoulder kind of thing when you transition from like the different seasons that you find yourself in. And I think I've just been so lucky to be able to like witness that. So yeah, that's just one of my. It's just one of the things that I really appreciate about you. So, um, so back to your nursing career. Um, mm-hmm. Why did you end up with two master's degrees? Uh, I would say divinity, probably, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and maybe patience or impatience at the same time. Because <laughs> what happened was, um, in my first year as a professional nurse. I was working at a clinic. It was all nice because a clinic is like psych hospital in a way. You never know what to expect. Today it's a headache. Tomorrow it's TB. The next day it's, you know, STI. So it was more intriguing for me because I was not, I'm not a routine person. Like, yo, I can't Mm. do anything that wants me to do things routinely. Yeah. You know, but even that, within a a year, I was bored, you know, because you can only get so many. I mean, if, if we're in a specific community, we tend to be vibrating at a similar vibrational frequency. So our yeah. issues would more or less be the same, you know. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was treating the same thing, just different bodies and maybe different age. And then I started getting bored. And then I thought, ah, let me go and do my master's in psych. And I remember it became difficult because the management at the time was saying no one is allowed to study further until their second after their second year of being a nurse because it was called community service but i was like you know what i'm gonna study so i went and studied yeah um i would even work yeah i would even work like um some weekends so that at least when it's my blog week i'm able to go i would even put on leave like i was just very creative about how i did it yeah so i studied um for two years and then it was just not moving because I needed to do specific procedures for me to complete my master's, uh, my practical work. But then I was at a clinic, so you don't really, mm. like, at the time, the psych wasn't really that much. We were just giving medication. Sometimes some of the nurses wouldn't even open to see what type of medication it's in there and what wow. patients are taking. Yeah. So for me, it felt like there wasn't really proper follow-up and aftercare, and it became difficult to even get, because one of them was getting a support group. Um, and do group psychotherapy but it was really difficult because like I just couldn't and then I decided to apply to a psych hospital in in St. Tara and then I went to Tara um worked that's one of the places I worked nine months at yeah (laughs) yeah but that was the most powerful because there I worked with kids that's where my love for kids was you know Mm. I was placed in a psych ward and I was very lucky to meet um she's still one of my biggest cheerleaders and mentor and a friend, Sister yeah. Lorraine, Lorraine Tigana. Um, she really mothered me and made me love psych. 
Um, but then when I was in Tara, um, that's when now I managed to get 90% of the group work, but some were really difficult because also I couldn't get them in Sainton. So I had to now go to Bosowe to and the nearing, you know, your, your neighboring townships um, for me to get the essence of psychosis and, you know, how to really run a disruptive um, psychotherapy. Mm. So long story short, I ended up not making it. And then the program sent me a letter to say, um, you were supposed to have finished at this time. You didn't finish, so we are sorry, but we're going to roll you off the um, the program because I think we were given two years or something, and I went yeah. beyond two years. Um, I tried back and forth. Administration was a nightmare, so I ended up giving up. But Lakila didn't deregister, you know. So my supervisor at the time said, you know what, because psych is actually now uh, an issue to complete, I'm transferring to Mafiking. Can you come and complete your research masters in Mafiking because yeah. they don't have yeah they don't have psych um postgraduate in Mafiking. And then I was like ah. I was skeptical and that's when I moved to Bloomfontein to go work at a private hospital in Bloomfontein. Yeah. And then while I was waiting I decided ah let me do nursing education because what can I do with my time? You know, I enrolled for nursing education and then just before I completed I got a job in my in in Klegsdorp. so th mm. those were my nine months era i only <laughs> worked for like nine months in, yeah. in bloomfontein and then i got a job in 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 Klegsdorp. but that's also the time when um my partner and i tabo decided we wanted to start a family you know so like ah we can't be waiting for your ovulation and then i have to drive like <laughs> 500 kilos <laughs> Because now you are ovulating. Oh my God. <laughs> so then I decided, okay, let me move to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we figured Rustem, I mean, Tlegsdorp would be a closer. Um, so I moved to Tlegsdorp. And then in Tlegsdorp, that was another nine months era. Because then I was in Tlegsdorp from March. And by May, I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided... I want to be uh, a present mom. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to leave my job. I didn't have any plans, no pension fund, because I think at the time for that nine months, I had like 36K for pension. And then I was like, I don't care what's going to happen, but I just know that I want to be a present mom. So I resigned with no plan, no job, nothing. Yeah. And then I resigned and then I went back home in 2016, February. That's when I was about to give birth to Oreo. Mm. And then the supervisor then came back to me and said, hey, I'm in Mashiking and there's a post open for a part-time psych lecturer. I really don't think you should be sitting with your expertise at home and saying you want to be a full-time mom. I mean, at some stage, that child is going to need diapers and other things. Yes, you go in clothes. Yes, you breastfeeding. But it takes more than that, you know, to raise a child. Um, so he offered me like a part-time, I think I was doing 24 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, it actually suited me cause then I had enough time with my baby as well. So while I was doing that, then I decided to complete the research masters now, the one that he offered back then. Yeah. And then it so happened that we realized that the job that I had done in the two years that I was in 
and porch because they sent me a report. I actually had like 90s and 98. I think my lowest was like 89 from wow. all the project. And I had finished them. It says that um, maybe if I had to do like six individual therapy, I would do like four. But in all four, I've got like 98. So obviously, even if you do 98, say four divided by six, it will still give you a distinction somehow, you know. Yeah. So then we realized that actually I had passed beyond what the recommendation for the program was. And then we applied for the South African Nursing Council. And then they decided, because we thought we were just applying for postgraduate diploma in psychiatric nursing. But then they said, no, based on the report that was from the, the school and whatever they gave, because I gave the portfolio and everything, they awarded me a master's. And that's how I ended up with two master's and a nursing education degree at the same time. So in three years, I was about to give up, but all three came, you know, so that was very powerful. So that's why I was saying patient and impatient at the same time, because I was low-key giving up, mm. but at the same time, it, it, it happened that it the giving up was like a blessing in disguise, like a take a breather type of a situation. Yeah. And that's how I actually learned ease. You know, that's how I actually learned about ease and sometimes allowing the universe to also take its part because I've done the most. I mean, yeah, I've done, definitely. I've moved to Saint, I've moved to Saint-Tin. I was traveling, sometimes going to Soweto and not finding the patients there or finding one or two. I would still record. And then I would think, ah, maybe this is not sufficient, but let me just write the report and send, you know. So it was also showing me that you just do your best and God and the universe and the ancestors will do the rest. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah. I think it's one of those <laughs> trust you. the yeah, one of those trust the process kind of things. Trust right? the process. Yeah. Kind of things. Yes. yes yeah. I mean honestly, yeah. I think and, some, and, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even even now, I don't I no longer sub subscribe to it has to be hard before it gets better. I think those were my moments and lessons of hardship sometimes does, you know, pay off. Because really, I, I put in the work and it was very difficult and I was emotionally stressed, drained and everything and about to give up, you know. But it showed that the, well, that was the then belief that the, the deeper the struggle, the more the, the glory, the, the reward. But I'm no longer subscribing to that, you know, I'm into ease now. <laughs> Absolutely. We're into ease. Things don't have to yeah. like be so hard. There's no, no point to prove. No, they don't have to. No. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask yeah. you about the PhD, right? So one of the ways that you describe yourself is that you are a proud PhD dropout. Can you please tell me more about that? Okay, um, so it goes back to what we discussed earlier about me surrendering to the process, knowing when to let go and move on. Yeah. Um, so in 2016, I finished the second um, master's, which is the research master's. And because I was working at the university, it made sense for me to continue with the PhD because the support was there, the resources were there. I even got like NRF um, bursaries wow. and the staff discount from the university, you know. So there were like everything pointed to me completing the PhD. And by the way, the dropout means I was like, I had already had ethical clearance. It was just for me to collect data, 
write up and grad- submit to graduate. Yeah. You know? So I was like almost done. Um, but then 2018, because uh, I started in 2017 with the, with the master's, I mean, with the PhD, 2018, I got a job as an assistant director at the provincial office for Department of Health. Wow. And when I got there, I felt like um, I needed to give this newly found experience a chance, you know, because with being a student uh, and also now having this new role that made you travel, I felt like one was going to suffer either way. The other thing, when I got there, they refused to give me study leave because I was apparently new. You needed to finish two years in the department before you can get a study leave. And I was collecting data in Tanzania, in Zambia, in Northern Cape. So I had to travel. I couldn't use the 22 days that was given for leave yeah. um, by the official leave that was granted. So it became like a struggle. And that's when I realized that every time when I try to fight things, I end up actually hurting myself more and frustrating myself. Oh, wow. So I was like, you know what? maybe this is one of the ways where it says not now. I didn't take it as it's never going to happen, but it felt like a not now. And I'm so glad and grateful that it was a not now because looking at Neo in 2016, 17, and the one who would have been a DR in 2019 versus Neo now, I'm more able to own the DR title because it comes with a lot of responsibilities, you know. Yeah, I feel like does. then it would have fed the ego more. Yeah, it would have fed the ego more than do what really needed to be done. But if I go back next year and then do it, I feel like I'll be able to own the the study. And even then, I wasn't, I hadn't made the the connection between SOFA and 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 and, and the study that I I, I I'm doing because it's. It started with conceptualization of the African primal health care. Um, but now with the PhD, it's now operationalizing, making sure of oh, this operationalizing and showing people how it looks, that whatever we conceptualize at the master's level, how it looks now when it's operational. And it's basically the guinea pig mix that we do. Yeah. It's basically the work that I do because it's just employing different healing modalities and not only relying solely on Western medicine to say it's the go all and be all, you know, yeah. and, and also I don't think I would have been able to derive it deeply as we becoming our own medicine. Cause now I have that, that I can actually employ and, and, and bring into the PhD. Back yeah. then it would have been more scientifically pro- focused, you know, although I still have, um, an issue with how we define science because the in the, the dic- dictionary um, definition of science is doing something consistently and getting the same result every time. So even witchcraft is science because you, <laughs> when you send somebody lightning, you will get the same result and you employ the same method. So I don't know why they keep on saying African method is not science because like, duh. <laughs> yeah, I completely you know, agree so with you. I feel like yeah, I feel like now I'm I'm at a point where I'm able to really fully immerse myself into the whole primal healing, you know, and, and knowing that we are our own medicine and our own healers. And I'm now even excited to bring in breath work and yoga because there are scientific books like The Body Keeps Score. It's written by a psychiatrist who actually now shows that 
Yes, yes, the meds are okay, but it doesn't have to be the only thing. We can use yoga, we can use other methods like breath work to actually deal with ADHD and other things. And that's basically what my master's was about, to say, wow. we're not saying one is better than the other, but can we at least see, you know, let's not be so obsessed with sameness. We call ourselves a rainbow nation. Can we acknowledge that healing comes in many forms, doesn't always have to be stethoscopes, and thermometers, you know. Wow, that is actually so powerful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Thank you. Yeah, the body definitely knows. And if we just like take the time to be present and just like listen to ourselves, I think we'd be able to figure out a lot of things, honestly. And like you said, a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. And you also mentioned to me privately mm-hmm. that you've worked on some policies in your line of work as a nurse. Can you talk about that? Uh, okay, um, so I was one of the people who were involved in or part of the committee of psychosocial rehabilitation from the national um, level, and I was even the chairperson there. Wow! <laughs> Just before I left, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I left. I left when the process was in um, going through different committees for approval, but the work yeah. was done. So I really hope I get. Um, referenced as the so contributor as well because yeah. I, I did the groundwork. Yeah. yeah, but basically, what I enjoyed about what I enjoyed about the whole policy was it was also looking at more uh, preventative, more than curative. And mm-hmm. you know, my line of work is always yes, we'll deal with those that are already uh, at this ease, you know. But can we at least try and prevent before it gets worse? So yeah. it was looking at our um rehabs looking at our uh, mental health institutions and the the reason why we have like a revolving door syndrome because we have like the same people going through the same system every time you know and then clearly if that's the case it means there's somewhere where we're missing the point there's somewhere where western medicine is failing us you know and we're like how about we try other modalities instead of just focusing on this is your medication this is your pharmacology and we prep you with injections and medication. And then also, we're not saying that traditional psychology is not working, mm-hmm. but maybe to others, they don't resonate with it. You know, I mean, it's the same thing that I always say in my business to say, not every gene is going to gel with me. And I can't now want to force them because that's going to cause more disease than me allowing them to choose whoever they align with. I mean, there are however billion people in this world, clearly there's one for each person who can assist in healing. Because like um, my school of thought is we are all healers. It's just that somehow we were made to believe that we're not, you know. But being healers, it means we can heal ourselves and we can heal others. So I'm not expecting to heal all the billion people in the world. But my few, I'm even always saying, if I get my 20 and make sure that I align with them and be able to heal them so well, or we heal each other and exchange the healing power, then when they become parents, already they become uh, former in, um, trauma-informed parents, they become healed parents, they become parents with the nervous systems that are regulated, meaning oh, yeah. their genes already are at an advantage, you know. So yeah. my, my, my whole view, it's long-term generational healing. It's not even about next year, 10 years from now. I'm looking long-term to say, 
my great grandkids would be in a space where they don't get to be triggered because their moms are triggered. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's yeah. amazing. So, well, Thank I'm you. just going to move on to your private, well, not your private business, but like your genie coaching business, right? So I know what a genie is. You know mm-hmm. what a genie is, but I'm not sure if that is not <laughs> actually knows. So can you explain? Knows, yeah. They're already thinking about a lot of mess, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and the concept is the same, you know. Um I call the kids genies mainly because um they share the same characters as genies, you know. Um the first character is genies are assigned to a person and kids are assigned to parents, whether adopted yeah. or uh, biologically, but you get assigned a specific parents as a child. You know, so um, that's the first character. The second character is they are magical beings. You know, um, they make your world come true. Most of us are not aware, but the minute you have kids, you you tend to be triggered, and it's either you're going to choose to heal or to remain way too miserable, and that's when you think your kids are making you miserable. But actually, they're gifting you the gift of healing. You're just now refusing to get into the gift, accept it and heal so that you can heal the other generations. And then the bottle as well, because even our genie coach um, logo is a genie inside a bottle. We as parents are like bottles. So depending on how we heal and how we nurture and preserve, because I don't believe that we they belong to us. I believe that we are the vessels that birth them and then what we have to do, they come complete. They come knowing yeah. who they are, what they want to be, what they need. And then if we get to nurture and preserve that knowledge, then when we don't nurture it, it's like we are closing the lid tightly. And like that analogy of um, the them be able to grow as tall as a baobab tree, but if they're in that bottle, they're going to remain tiny as a teaspoon because they're not going to have enough space to grow. But the minute we allow them to grow, we open the lid and they're able to fly. And obviously outside the bottle, they now can grow to as gigantic as they need to be. And them growing, us allowing them to come into the bottle, going out whenever they don't feel safe, knowing that they have a safe space in the bottle until they outgrow the bottle and know that they can fly away and be independent and those are the little things like giving them hugs playing with them giving them genuine attention because they can see when you are talking to them but you are preoccupied with something else yeah they can feel when you are saying yes but you actually mean a no and actually because they are more vibrational beings than we are at the time they tend to be confused because their frequency saying this our answer is saying this and then they don't know whether to believe their body or the authority because they see us as authority. And now, obviously, because we keep them safe, they're going to choose to believe us and then override their own nervous system. And then that's where we have issues. That's where you don't know when your noise and know when you are a grown person and you tend to doubt when you're supposed to drop out as a PhD and you're thinking, oh, but people are going to think I'm a failure without saying, okay, but this is not like a failure. This is like a not now moment. This is like you're not ready moment. Take yeah. a breather and you'll come back later, you know. Okay. And it doesn't help that psych actually says to us, voices in your head are wrong. 
Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, there are wicked voices, and you need to know when to listen to your voices and how to discern the good ones from the bad ones. Yeah. But we are being told any voice is bad, you know, psychosis, you can't go there. (laughs) But, I mean, you know that most of the decision that I do in the business, it's based on me following my intuition. Yes. Listening to all seven of my chakras and say, and even the others beyond the seven to say, does this feel like a yes and a no? I mean, just me moving to Hartis was like a, a chakra thing. I know. To say. In, in a meditation, move to Hartis. I didn't even know why I'm, I'm going to do here and how I'm even going to get, because I got, remember I got the place two days before the school yes. opened. Yeah. <laughs> this year in June. This year in June. I knew already in June when I resigned that I'm going to stay in Hartis in 2023. And I kept telling people that, but by then I didn't even have a place to stay, you know? So if I didn't listen to such voices, I mean, where would the business be by now? Because yeah. obviously the momentum started the minute I started listening to those voices. Yeah. You are such yeah. a powerful manifester. So I want you to tell us a bit more about your your business, SOFA. And also, like, what does SOFA stand for? What kind of, like, activities do you guys do for genies? Okay, so so far it's called the School of Primal Healing Arts. Yeah. So it all came from the master study. Uh, like I said, my master study was um, conceptualizing of African primal healthcare. Yes. But then I was like, ah, I'm done with the health part. I want the healing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I still want the primal part because primal means from the mother. It also means first or um from the beginning you know and and this is where the model of sofa comes in we know that the genius comes you know um complete they come whole so we want them to heal themselves all i do is hold space for them and make them believe that they are good enough because that's all we need to hear as kids that whatever you're doing it's good enough and the more i tell you it's good enough the more you trust it and the more you run with it so yeah. that's basically the model that we employ in SOFA to say, you are good enough. Whatever your your gift that you came with, you are good enough. Use them, go with them. Because most of us, when I, I I sang when I was four or five, I would be told, Kiarasa. and the minute somebody tells me I'm making noise, in my mind, as a genie, magical thinking, I'm already thinking, oh, it must be that bad if no one wants to hear it. I'm yeah. never going to think, oh, my mom is stressed because... Um, she doesn't have enough money to pay them Ashonisa, and now they're threatening to take the TV. Yeah, my mind doesn't go there. I'm already thinking because I'm self-centered. Oh, I must yeah. be singing so badly if I'm gonna <laughs> be told that I'm making noise. That is so you know? true. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's basically what we do in Sofa. And the interesting part is when I uh, reset Sofa as in S-O-P-H-A, I found out that it's also a Ayurvedic term, which means inflammation. And how interesting that as a nurse, I know that during a process of inflammation, um, when you have like a toxin, let's say a bee sting, mm. um, what usually happens is you'll get a, you'll be warm around the bee sting part or the, the toxin, 
and also it will have a bump like redness and bumpness and that is the process of inflammation what it does is it releases chemicals to come and engulf the toxins so that it doesn't spread to the whole body oh, you know how clever. intelligent our body is yeah. yes so that's what we do in so far if we see that the there is a, a trauma that is specific and it has been coming from generation and it has a risk of going to your kids. We now cover, you know, we become that chemical that covers the toxin and make sure that we extract it, but in a nice way, you know. Um, so our redness would now be your hugs. Our inflammation would now be reassurance and validation. And the itchiness would also now be you regulating your nervous system, touching you in a way that feels healthy, that feels well, yeah. you know? So I was actually quite impressed when I found that sofa has a different meaning from what I had thought. What is it? it? Just like, um, inflammation. So it's Ayurvedic for inflammation. Oh, wow. And remember, yes. I thought, I thought sofa was like short for sofa slash <laughs> <laughs> well we have a different we have another <laughs> we have another adult um or parenting program called sofa slashane oh wow and that's where yes that's where we use it to support the parents because we always say um instead of changing the gene change the environment and uh -huh. most of the time, we are the environment. We are. Because I'll be doing all these wonderful things with the genies, but then they come back and you still now go all hippie, hippie on them. And then it feels like the work we do is not enough because then they get re-triggered and re-traumatized. So it's better that we deal with them at the genie picnics, but then yeah. we know that when they come home, they still maintain that sense of safetyness. And that's where there's now so fast as, um, as a leg you know, of trying to really assist the parents to go through this whole parenting thing. Um, so you had asked about what we do in SOFA. So you have different programs, but my favorite one is the Genie Picnics. Yeah. So this is like a four, four to five hour uh, program on Saturdays. We have them every second Saturdays and we have them on different um, areas. So our current area now is Rustenburg, is Hartenbeers in the Northwest. It's no... Um, Matlosana or Klegsdorp, and then it's Potschiffstrom. And then in, so in Gauteng, we have Centurion, we have Four Ways, and we have Alberton. So right now we have about eight spo uh, spaces, but looking to expand, of course. Um, I think in the second semester, we have Mafi King, we've added Mafi King, because there have been a lot of um, inquiries about when am I coming to Murphy King, you know? Yeah. So what we do there, we use play therapy as a modality. We'll, we'll, we theme the, the um, picnics. Uh, one of our main uh, themes are self-care. So this is where the genies get massages. And then the reason why we chose massage, it's mainly because of self-care reasons, but also touch is one of the ways that helps to regulate the nervous system. There's no way, even with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's no way a child will self-actualize or would even be creative if they are don't they don't feel safe. And safety means physical safety, emotional safety. So this is where now we use touch to make sure that we calm them down. The only way to actually get through to a child if is is if they are calm and they're feeling safe. 
Otherwise, you are just, they're not going to hear you. They're just going to hear blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, that's a good yeah, point. So we, yeah. em- we, we employ that to keep them regulated, calm, so that they're able to go to the next level of Maslow's hierarchy of uh, need with the ultimate goal of self-actualization. So we want them to be emotionally agile. We want them to be emotionally intelligent. We want them to be compassionate, you know, because I feel like, love is the answer you know the antidote of love is fear i mean the antidote of fear is love and most of the time when somebody doesn't feel safe is because they are fearful of something so we're using love now to do that but also we have other creative because now obviously we work with the root chakra that's mm. why now we focus on self-care so but ta- at times i get guided to go a bit into the creative space so your your um sacral chakra and that's when now you'll be doing painting and you can tell a lot from a child's painting or even a drawing where yeah. they are emotionally, physically, spiritually, and otherwise. Um, and we also do breath work. And I do tend to call um, uh, other people, like maybe your yoga. Um, I've called Matakonolo, who does yes. his yoga. And recently I've been speaking Yeah, I've been speaking to Kiamo, who is um, also a yoga instructor. I think her company is Whole Ferry, yeah, um, in, in, in Centurion. So I'm bringing in other people as well because I feel like, you know, it's very important to regulate your nervous system through yoga, through breath work, and through, you know, massages and touch. But we're moving to the next level as well now where we will be doing, especially around the winter, we'll be doing storytelling, you know, around the fireplace because we want to take it primar. We want to take it yeah. back to the roots, back to the mother, you know. Um, and I'm very excited that you will be part of the the whole um, picnic where you'll be reading stories to the genies. Very Can't excited wait. with one of yeah, any of your books that you wrote to me goes to the park. Such a yes. powerful book. Thank you. Um, I actually want to get the monkey bars because I want when you are reading there, they must also now oh, be doing the monkey bars. Yes, I've been, I've been dreaming about that. So those are some of the things that we use. And um, because it's such a short space, we can't really be focusing on all, all aspects. So our main focus of the genie picnics is social aspects, Yeah, you know. And, and I feel like if you feel safe and you are able to be compassionate to the next person, already you are a better person and you are making the world a better place. You know? It, yeah. I mean, definitely. already we have so much going on. We have so much going on and all we need is a little love and compassion and why not start with our genies? Yeah, that is so true. I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to see your next level. So as a coach, do you also believe in... (laughs) You're welcome. So as a coach, do you also believe in, you know, you also getting your own coaching from other coaches? I do, I do. I actually... um, I think by last year, November, I had like five coaches at the same time. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yes. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, like you said, I'm a, I'm a, what? Uh, you said something about ma- manifesting. Oh, the well, you're, you're a brilliant manifester. That's what. <laughs> so I've realized that, <laughs> yeah, I realized that, um, the more I have help, the more I'm able to, because I suffer a lot from trust issues. Most of the things I know what to do and how to do it, but I tend to not trust myself. And mainly because 
the little Nemo was told so many times that yeah. she's useless, you know, she, yeah. So every time, even now, I still, even when I, when I want to do something, that little voice still comes in and say, ah, who do you think you are? You're not going to succeed. That's the reason why your father didn't even want to be in your life because you are just a nobody. You're not going to be anywhere. So those things still plays in my head. Mm. And that's why I would use services like Marlou's services where she'll just ground me, you know, and say, you've got this, you know, and I appreciate your presence in my life because you'd always show me like, hey, just this week, this is what you did. I mean, hello, no one can do that in one week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we always have an inside <laughs> job. We always have an inside job that um, you think me, Oprah, and 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 Beyonce don't have the same hours as everyone else. <laughs> you do so much in you a know, day; so, it's insane. <laughs> so I, I I I I use the services and support of coaches to actually help me through those self doubts because they come a lot. You yeah, know? and and I I. I I'm at the point where I fully believe that the fear never goes away. It's just that we get to not believe it as much. You know, I get to now get inside, go within and, and really feel what my years feel like with yeah. the situation, being fearful or not, you know. Mm. And I also have a money coach and I also have group coachings that I also do. I love clearings. I do a lot of um, yes, you um, do. energy. I do a lot of energy clearing. I mean, I'm doing the money one on, on Wednesday. I can't wait. It's to have more than enough money, uh, more money than I can ever use, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yes. That's amazing. You. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I also use like podcasts like yours and Lebupules and Vangiles, um, just to coach me online, you know, because we don't have to limit ourselves to just, um, face-to-face or one-on-one or group. You can also use other people's content just to help yourself be coached. Well, I do have a a podcast myself, but yeah. Yes, you do. I do listen to it now and then Yeah, really? (laughs) I do. Okay, so do you want to talk about... (laughs) No, I wanted to say, do you want to talk about your um, podcast just a little? Podcast, yes. Uh, Okay, so the podcast is a parenting podcast. Um, based on conscious parenting. So how it came about was I realized when I started um, doing the inner work that there was a lot of unlearning to do. And because I was in a space where I was open to more, I received a lot of different information. Like I said, I'm not going to say how our mothers did it or how other people are doing it is wrong, but I'm saying, oh, it's better than the other. But I'm saying there's different ways and we can always build new neural pathways to, you know, see what works for us and what doesn't work for us. Mm. So when I realized that there were a lot of um, podcasts that I was listening to and finding gems every time, and I was already considering myself as a conscious parent, but there were, you know, every time gems that I was getting. And then I was like, okay, if I have access to so many resources and I have done a lot of healing myself, but I'm still getting so many gems. How many parents out there don't have such information, you know? And then I was like, maybe I can be one of those who brings them closer because they might not resonate with any of the seven, eight that I was listening to, but they could resonate with me, you know? So I wanted to be one of those options that people tend to choose from. 
because really there's nothing representation always matter because yeah in all of those it was either americans or white people or males you know so i felt like somebody from maritani would definitely not relate but some somebody can relate with me because i'm also from the village i know the struggle and and, and you know yeah uh, but i no longer do trauma bonding but Love it doesn't that. mean i can't help people with my story you know yeah <laughs> i don't have to be muddled no. with them there <laughs> but it doesn't mean that how i went through out of that can't help them so i do solo episodes i do uh, bring in guests i mean you've been twice to my podcast and yeah. i appreciate it so much actually it feels good to know be on the other side for a change <laughs> oh, yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah it's it's basically just sharing different ways of doing things so definitely there's sometimes there's like three of three perspectives on the same subject so i'll get yeah. three people with three completely different perspective and then you listen to all three and choose which one to, uh, you resonate with sometimes like i do i would even take one from each and then do a dialectic model for myself and say this one i didn't like this part but i love this part so i'm going to keep this part and then combine it with this part from here and then have something that works for me yeah you know? so it's currently on podbean and with the um intention to um expanded to uh, Spotify as well as Apple podcast but, but also I have this dream of an Apple um the Genie Coach TV you know oh, long wow. time I really yeah. want to man- yeah I'm working on manifesting the Genie Coach TV but that one I'm very specific white couch a very big window there must be um what you call it uh, the tower at the back and some water mountains yeah that, mountains yeah it's a water so that's the dream <laughs> that's amazing and you know what Thank i'm definitely you. i'm definitely going to add your um details in the show notes um so that people can listen to your podcast and if they want to like contact you and like you know find out more about your coaching and the picnics and everything that you do they can just like reach out right reach out So your work is I mean it, it involves a lot of healing and a lot of creativity so I'm just wondering do you have any spiritual practices that you do before during or after that work Um so I have a lot um the recent one that has actually been a thing it's um fasting you know and it will be guided randomly um but i've realized that there's always a method to the madness you know it's either it's before the full moon or before any planetary shifts you know when 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 the information is given to me it will just be take a two day mango fast and then i'll follow it but as and when the information get revealed i'll know and i've also learned that the specific food that i'll be given would always be linked to whatever i need to heal and also heal for the participants you know um i remember when i was doing berry fast mm. they said berry was um very good around the reproductive system your ovaries and and your womb as a whole but also the lungs and we were now working around grief and that's when when i got to the picnic 
I actually found one of the kids who was grieving and the parents didn't even know about it. Oh, wow. So I feel like if I wasn't, yes, if I wasn't um, following those, I wouldn't be able to hold space for the child, you know, because she felt really drawn to me and was able to even get to that deeper level. Because what happened was um, their parents had a miscarriage before her. But then it's things we don't take seriously when the newborn comes. We think it happened before they were here. But they are related as as souls and as people who shared the same womb. So they never really got to introduce her to the baby or the sister who passed on. And, 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 you know, because they felt like, ah, these things don't matter. But actually they do on on a spiritual level, you know. Mm. And I don't think if I hadn't went through the fast, it would have been information that would have been revealed to me, you know. And they were also like, we don't understand why she's acting like this because yeah. she didn't even know how to talk to them about the sister she doesn't know and they never spoke about. But then the sister was actually communicating with this child. So it's 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 amazing that I get to hold space at that level, you know, but um, sometimes it becomes difficult because I get um, parents who will like, oh, we're not, we don't believe in ancestors, we don't believe in souls and past lives yeah. and whatever. People who are dead are dead and kids don't know even, know anything about this. She was not there. How can she be affected? You know, so it becomes difficult when you have to now help this child that the parents are resistant, you know, but I find that the more I fast, the more the parents also become open to the processes without me having to convince them. Because one thing I told my guides and my higher self was like, I'm not doing any negotiations and convincing. I need to align with people who really want and are ready to do this work, you know. Yeah. And then I also do a lot of um, wealthy money work mm. because really I, I want to get to a point where my money is, you know, it's it's in the right place and I'm able to be as abundant as my soul has chosen to be. Um, So I do a, a lot of meditation. I've spoken about the, 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 the self-trust issue and obviously it emanates or it, it goes, spills into trusting others as well because if you can't trust yourself, it becomes very difficult to trust other people. So I use some of the work also to, you know, heal my not good enough wound, to heal the trust, to heal all those wounds of me being too much when I was growing up. I do a lot of energy clearing remotely also to deal with such things because um, I was diagnosed with uh, vaginismus uh, when I was in varsity. And I didn't know where it came from because the probabilities and what the gynae told me was it's either it was rape or it was a traumatic birth, but I hadn't had a baby then. So it obviously couldn't have been traumatic birth. So it left out rape um, and the whole thing. But I never had any memory of myself being raped or molested, you know, until I did a energy clearing and it was revealed that at five years I was raped. And that's when now, when I went into the meditation and met my five-year-old, she was able now to give me the whole story and unpack it, you know. So those are some of the ways that I also use to ground myself, but also to be able to hold space for the genies and their parents. I do a lot of journaling. I mean, at any given time, I've got like four diaries. So I've got my money diary, I've got my mommy diary, 
and I've got two other just, you know, if I read a book or I'm listening to a podcast and I come across a very nice quote, you know, I'll just write it there for inspiration, you know. So um, I also do a lot of journaling work as well. Um, and then recently, the the part-time job that I do, the rehab, we have a yoga session every Thursday morning. So yeah. I've also tapped into the power of yoga as well um, from at work, you know, so it's quite nice. That is just so amazing. I mean, I mm-hmm. love how you are like continuously working on yourself, going inwards. Because I think that if you're a coach, you honestly need to make sure that your cup is full, right? Like holding, yeah, holding space for people is it takes a lot like for instance you know I'm a, yeah i mean i do i'm a shaman so i feel mm. like whenever someone books a reading with me mm. or maybe they want to find out about my coaching as well i have the responsibility to show up mm. in like a i think like in a good uh, way where i've like somehow dealt with some of my stuff Mm. or in the process so you don't of like spill into them. yeah it's just so that i'm like more aware and i can like see things clearly hear from the ancestors mm. clearly that kind of stuff and i'm not mm. like all over the the show and i, I and i think mm. that that's one of the things i really appreciate with the coaches that i work with mm. and yeah and one of the things i've seen with you when you're with the genius you're so present like you're all there uh, yeah it's, uh, it's just like the most amazing thing to to see because i don't like working with people who are not like engaged and like switched on it's like so disrespectful because you're paying all this money and you're just like but where is this person that attention should be on me right sure yeah i know time stains when i'm with them like um i'm fully there and to an extent that every single time after a picnic i feel drained i can sleep for like 10 hours um i remember the I think it was the, the the Centurion picnic when I came back home, my tongue couldn't even Oh move. my god. My cousin even thought I was drunk at the time because <laughs> I was like out <laughs> from just being there and being present, you know. So <laughs> yeah, but it's it's, it's really amazing to be fully present because even my, my inner child comes out to play, you know. Yes. So I think she's the one who actually becomes more present because then she takes over and that's why maybe the other genies are now able to relate so well with me in the picnics. Yeah. Because then the little Nell feels safe now to also show up. Yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like you should maybe have events for adults who want to like have their inner kids come out. Because I remember when I came to your event at Naledi Farm, that was amazing. I had so much fun and we were like making little humans and all that stuff. So, (laughs) yeah. And you still have that little human. Is it pink or yellow hair? I think her hair is pink and she's wearing a swimsuit that's orange. (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a little section yeah. in my house where I keep all my creative stuff. So like, she's stuck on the wall. And the kumbi, the oh. kumbi's in my kitchen on my counter. I used to have oh, okay. my Lego. Yeah, I used to have my Lego stuff next to it, but then I, mm. there was just it was just admin cleaning the Lego Lego stuff. So I actually like dismantled it. Everything is in a box now. Uh, hmm. So as you, they, they carry dust fast, ne? Yeah. 
Sure. Mm -hmm. So as you know, this is a podcast about celebrating other Africans and... I'm definitely clapping for you with everything that you're doing, but I want to know. Thank you. Do you ever celebrate yourself? Um, yes, I do now, especially since you are holding me accountable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and my other coaches. Um, it started actually in 2021 when I joined um, Marlou's coaching um, um session you mm. know so every time before we started she would ask for two things that i needed to break about for that week yes. you know so i got into yes i got into the habit of really looking out and being intentional about good things that are happening in my life you know and mm. then i also met a group of um ladies from the mindful chats this is one of the business uh, partners that i work with so they do a similar work that i do but with adults and actually they do invite me to adult workshops and then i'll do breath work and and, and meditation for them so they've always loved it and they're always shocked because i tell them their own secret that they don't even think they want to know <laughs> you know um so we also did uh, they introduced um gratitude jars you know, mm -hmm. so I think also with gratitude, it forces you to think about good things that are happening and how to celebrate it. So now with your um, introduction of the podcast and then us talking about celebration, after the gratitude, I would now find a way to say, okay, so I have achieved this. How do I celebrate myself in terms of the achievement, you know? And I love that we came to a point where celebration was not always this gigantic thing you know yeah. it's, it's in the mundane you know just having your yoko ice cream it's a form of celebration Absolutely. just going to do your nail painting your nail pink actually as part of you celebrating yourself so i even went to a point of finding different creative ways of celebrating myself without always making money an excuse you know yeah um, yeah because recently i even Found that my kids enjoy working at the damn um, park. So if I have something to celebrate with them, we'd actually go there. We've also been doing the happy dance because my um, seven-year-old Oreo can dance so much. Yeah. And I actually, I used to dance like that when I was her age. So I think she reminds me of me then. So I've been asking her to actually re make me remember how to dance like that. So we'd actually even use the dance now as a form of celebration, you know. So, yeah, I do celebrate myself, but obviously I still feel like there's room for improvement. Yeah. Um, I feel like I can, you know, take it to a next level because honestly I feel like I've done the most and I haven't really sat down and acknowledged how much I have done. And yeah. that's why I feel so honored that you saw me, you know, you you saw me as worthy of being clapped for and no you are i appreciate honestly. that so much <laughs> oh my goodness i love that you guys love to dance i think i think for me dancing particularly to ama piano is like the quickest way for me to get into my celebration mode <laughs> Exactly. yeah because yeah, also i mean you don't have to buy anything in order to like mm -hmm. celebrate yourself you can just like figure out something in the house so dancing loud i'm a piano music playing in my home listen i am in there and also and then you're in there. 
Yeah, and also this week, I realized when I was writing my posts for social media, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I celebrating this week? And I had to like stop and think about it because I hadn't been like documenting. So I, I actually want mm. to get a jar where I'm going to like write things down and say, today I'm celebrating blah, 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 and just like hoy it in the yes. jar. Yeah, and I'm sure by the end of the year, I'll have like a whole lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like a celebration jar. I love that. Yeah. I think I'm going to join you on that. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my next question to you is what brings you joy uh love mm. love brings me joy um you know as someone who has lived in fear most of her life the minute i found that the antidote of fear is love wow and how, how i realized that the system is made in such a way that we are fearful yeah know? I ended up choosing love and I find joy in, in love, you know, um, and, and love for me would include compassion, would include fun, would include being at peace, would include surrendering, you know, because sometimes, like I said, it, you need to let God and the ancestors and the universe do the rest. Um, and that is self-love, you mm. know, because if you keep on, wanting to knock at the door that is closed, you actually not yeah. showing yourself self-love, yeah. you know, and, and continuing into self-love, sometimes just saying for this week, for this month, I'm cutting everyone else out and I'm pouring into my own cup, you know? Mm. Yeah. Which is something that is very difficult, but I've learned to actually master it and say, you know what? I know I've got kids. I know I've got this, but I'm going to show up better when my cup is filled and then I'm like, ah, can you hold it so much? Please go home to my granny's place. I need this week to just refill and be alone, you know, or even just drive for a day, go to the park alone without them. And then I fill in my cup, look at the mountain, look at the sea or the river, the dam, and then just come back fulfilled. You know? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. As someone okay. who, who knows you, I think you definitely can back that up you do very well at that even your <laughs> even the dates that you have weekly with money that yes. is yeah that's just one of the ways i see you prioritizing yourself so that's good well done thank you so what are you most proud of about yourself <sighs> oh okay um i think being emotionally agile Mm. You know, um, wow. I, I remember when I did my first ever vision board or in, when I knew what I was doing because I've always liked pasting things that I loved. I didn't know it was called a vision board then. Uh, but when I was really intentional and knew about the power of uh, vision, the first thing that I put in there was emotional agility. Wow. And I'm realizing how far I've came since then, mm. you know, and I'm like, wow, um, it is possible. When I wrote it um, and pasted it, I didn't think it was possible. I had an idea of what it looked like, but having to embody it now, I'm like, wow. Um, I mean, 
recently I've been going through a lot. You could say I was being tested. Yeah. And and how I came out victorious in all this. And at the end of the day, everything becoming so magical. I'm like, yeah. wow. I'm glad I chose and decided for the, the what I decided because then at the end of the day things turned out to be even more amazing than I thought it would ever be. Yeah. Jeez. That's mm. beautiful. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. So our last question, what are some of your greatest achievements? And yeah, I want you to just give us like a mix of achievements, not necessarily um, academic achievements, you know, like a certificate that you stick on the wall. I mean, like, let's say, I don't know, maybe you're going through a tough time and you manage to get out of bed, you know, like a whole mix of those kinds of things. I think the other thing that I've realized was um, with my seven day challenge to celebrate yourself is that a lot of people think that an achievement is usually something like graduating, buying a car, mm -hmm. buying a house, but we both know that it's way more than that. Like you it's could be, yeah, I mean, you could have a target where you say you want to drink eight glasses of water today because you were doing five a day. And then today you do eight. That is an achievement. It's something that's worth mm. celebrating. So, yeah. So what are some of your greatest ones? Um, I'm going to start with a tangible one. Um, buying a house at age 23. That's I mean, amazing. That was, yeah. That was big. Um. Yeah, um, sure, I can't believe I've been owning a house for so long. <laughs> it, it was messy and I didn't know what I was doing, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything else, you know. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the energy at the time was more of um, desperation because my mom didn't have a house and growing up in my aunt's house, you always want to have your own room. And, and so it was driven by the desire to have my own room and be able to lock myself in the room, yeah. in the bedroom when I'm moody, you know. Um, so those were the drivers of me buying a house, but I'm glad I did eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then choosing conscious parenting, you know, continuing to choose it, because to be honest, conscious parenting is freaking difficult, if I may put it that way. But it's also so worth it, you know. Um, just on Friday, I was having a conversation with Oreo, and I was at awe at how emotionally intelligent she has become mm. from just the type of parenting that I choose, you know. Because um, she was talking to my mom, and then she wanted me to interject. And usually she'll be that type who, would cry but this time she was deeply emotional she had tears in her eyes rolling but she still maintained talking and getting her point through you know because sometimes we get stuck in this way of if i'm a crier then i cry 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 and no one is gonna know what's wrong with me yeah. or if i talk i talk 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 and then it's all muddled up but she was able to mix the two and get her point forward because she was saying to my mom i get that you are saying sorry now but what I don't appreciate is you complained first before you could say sorry. So what happened was she, my mom was saying to her, um, don't use that. I think she was holding some iron thing. Don't hold that because it's going to hurt you. And then she continued. And then the thing hurt her. And now instead of 
after it hurt her, she was crying. Instead of my mom saying, sorry, my mom was like, I told you. Ah, you know, so she was like, I don't appreciate that you had to be now going through all wow. that I told you. So before you could say sorry, because the reality is I'm hurt now. Yes, you told me that it was going to hurt me. And yes, I didn't listen. But the important thing for me now was you acknowledge that I'm hurt now. You know, it's not about what I didn't do. So that's when I was like, wow, so this thing actually works, you know. Yeah. It, like it was confirmation that conscious parenting does work. You know, th- sometimes it feels like it doesn't work when you're like telling her something and she's just defiant and like, ah! I think the slap would have been better. Um, but it's one of those maintained moments when it actually works out and we're like, Thank God I chose this method of parenting because mm. I don't think I, you know, I would have wanted it otherwise. So this is one of my very highlights of continuing to keep, um, uh, to keep doing conscious parenting. And then, uh, what's the other thing? I think choosing to retire at age thirty-four. Yeah. I feel like I freed myself. Um, I had panic attacks in the morning when I had to go to work. So I really, and, and to be honest, I wasn't, I was having the nicest job. I mean, I was the boss. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really, you know, and, and the money was good as well. Yeah. But I just felt misaligned. You know, the, the, my, my soul was just not there. Mm. Um, yes, the system somehow is messed up, but I feel like we did what we could with what we had at the time. You know, that's mm. why even now I have no regrets. I have no, I don't look back and think, oh my wait, I messed up. I did my best under the circumstances and under the, the system. Yeah. But having to choose to walk away while it was still good, you know, um, I was listening to the other podcast yesterday where Nomza Mbata was a a guest. And then she said, which was so profound because I've been feeling like I was doing it wrong somehow because other people didn't approve. But when she said it, it felt so powerful to say, sometimes um, you got to leave when things are still nice. You know, she was saying, to say, sometimes it's, always powerful to know when to leave the Titanic while the music is still playing instead of waiting for the ship to sink. You know, so I felt like for me, leaving and retiring at age 34 was leaving while the music was still dancing in the Titanic. Because it's clearly sinking. Unfortunately, health is going that way, you know, with the approach that we want to take. But I managed to leave while I still have people I can always go back to and say, hey, this is the program I'm doing and this is how I would like to assess, you know, other than leaving while I'm fighting with the manager and and, and. Yeah. and to show that when I left, it was so nice. They made a farewell for us and it was so amazing. Then yeah. night was just perfect. I got two beautiful fancy bags. I went to Uli's just um, last week. And I saw the price on the bag. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I would have bought that cash for myself, you know. So yeah. I appreciate that they were able to appreciate me and honor me at that level. So yeah, this, that's the major achievement actually. 
Oh my God. Listening to the inner voice and trusting the process. Yeah. Jeez. Mm. Well, and I think the other yeah. one, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, the last one is um, saying yes to the inner work. You know, yeah. a lot of people are still feeling like inner work is nonsense, it's who who stuff. Yeah. But you do. and I have seen, yeah, you and I have seen how much we've grown. Yes. I mean, just from last year, we are def- definitely different people than we used to be. Absolutely. We react differently to situations. Sometimes you even take popcorns and like, not my monkey, not my socket, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I can't enjoy the movie. <laughs> like recently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. So this has been such a beautiful conversation and I'm really grateful that you were able to come here. You're doing Thank such you. important, valuable work that is going to affect generations to come. And I think that's really powerful. Oh, so I want you to know that, you know, as a fellow human being, as a fellow, well, as a friend, I mean, yeah, I feel very lucky being your friend because I get to like see you live your life and like walk the talk and have all these amazing shifts that you're having and like i can't wait to see your next level but sometimes i feel like you're up leveling every single day so girl big ups to you yeah well done for also yeah well done for always like showing up for whatever it is that you want to do you don't always Mm -hmm. wait until you have like the full plan you're like taking one step at a time and you're like doing the damn thing so that is amazing i'm very proud of you and i'm clapping for you Thank you. Ah, I'm clapping for you for continuing with this podcast. Like it's doing amazing <laughs> oh, things. Thank you so much. Oh, I almost, so much. almost died from stage fright, but yeah, the inner work brought me back. <laughs> it did. It did. So much growth. Hey? Yeah, it really did. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of I Am Clapping For You. And as you know, this podcast is about us celebrating each other. So I have created a seven-day challenge that focuses on us celebrating ourselves intentionally, right? And the reason why I've started this challenge is because for many years, I was this person who just went from one achievement to the next without stopping to celebrate myself and to see myself and to just like, you know, be in the glory of whatever it was that I had achieved, right? And from talking to many people about um, my podcast, I've realized that not enough of us are actually celebrating ourselves. I mean, sure, I've like really improved in this area in the past year or two, but like I'm not quite where I would like to be, right? So I want you to come with me and join me and I'll be dropping the link if you want to join. So basically I'll be emailing you um, challenge every day it's not going to be like time consuming or anything like that and i hope that you enjoy it and if you would like to book a spiritual reading with me i will also drop the links and if you're interested in working with me in my capacity as a creativity coach i'll also drop the link there so anyway chat soon i'm going to be more consistent here this year and i hope you keep me accountable bye for now